Find the strength. Ain't nobody man enough to feel the pain. And you can be next. You better give respect. Cause ain't nobody breaking this redneck. Welcome, 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 and uh, this is a impromptu episode of Inside the Lines, and it is I, clearly the phenomenal whiz kid Jeremiah Johnson, recording a podcast here, solo, in fact, um, on this Saturday afternoon, August the uh, 19th, 2017, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, I mean, if you don't love hearing the sound of my voice, and I mean, who doesn't, we're going to talk about a couple things today, we're going to talk about, first and foremost, I want to talk NFL, I mean... The Ezekiel Elliott situation to me is very interesting, and I'm sure a lot of you in the uh, Flex Fox Fantasy Federation, as well as anyone else who listens to this podcast, um, probably is wondering what the hell is going on with the NFL. And if you're not, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about maybe why you should be. Um, I also want to talk about Bryce Harper, not just because I'm looking to make Flex Fox great again, but because I believe that this kind of issue... Injuries to star players, which will kind of tie together here between Ezekiel Elliott and Bryce Harper, is a really black eye for the league and something that's very important. But uh, but first, let's uh, for anyone who hasn't heard, let's play some. I'm going to play a clip, and uh, this is breaking news um, a couple days ago about Ric Flair coming out of hospital. So let's or uh, going into hospital. So let's give that a listen. All right, some sad news involving one of the greatest pro wrestlers of all time, Ric Flair. Uh, hospitalized, underwent surgery after he was put in a medically induced coma, and this is a very serious situation. situation. It all started Saturday morning. He was hospitalized. His, at the time, his rep said it was for routine monitoring, and there was no reason to panic. But the very next day on Sunday, uh, things had changed, and the rep was asking for prayers. We need your prayers, positive energy, and well wishes for our living legend as he's, as he's dealing with some tough medical issues. Now, on Monday, the WWE told us that uh, he had undergone surgery. There was a surgery that went down on Monday when he came out of it. Back up, you actually spoke with the WWE. What, what's the deal with him right now? Yeah, so Ric Flair is out of surgery. Uh, we were told he is resting comfortably. It's unclear if the surgery was successful at this point. His family is still waiting to talk to doctors, but it is a dire situation. Yeah, Pro Flair. Wrestling Sheet uh, is reporting that it was a heart-related issue, that it's something related to his heart. That's at the center of the whole thing, that he was in the intensive care unit at one time. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. Ric Flair is not a young guy. He's yeah. 68 years old he, he's getting up there age-wise but he, you wouldn't he, know it by the way he he, he lives no, his life he keeps I mean, an extremely busy schedule he's always on the move you, he, he doesn't seem like an old person but he is 68 yeah i mean look everyone that we've spoken with in the wrestling community has been saying the same thing their thoughts and prayers are with rick flair yeah. you know but but there's like a there's like a shroud of mystery around what's going on because nobody really knows what the core issue yeah, is as far as we knew he was healthy evan he, like we said we've seen him out a lot nobody knew he was sick in any way so for him to be in this bad situation now, it's really confusing. Yeah, look, we're following this as the story breaks. We'll have all the information on TMZSports.com. Stay tuned. So obviously, of course, we wish uh, 
here at Flex Fox Broadcasting. We wish uh, Ric Flair nothing but the best and hopefully a uh, quick recovery. But I I just want to talk just for a minute or two about the eerie comparison between Ric Flair and uh, Nick's, Nick Penner's playoff chances. I mean, out of nowhere, Nick Penner looked as great as ever. Eight wins in a row or seven and one in his last eight games, something like that. And, uh, you know, he goes into the goes into a weekly matchup there a couple weeks back. Just a routine matchup, and uh, all of a sudden, his playoff chances this week against Shathish are on life support. So, uh, although we wish Ric Flair uh, nothing but the best, and our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family, uh, the same cannot be said about Nick the Man Penner's playoff chances. Uh, moving on, so the number one topic of this show that I want to talk about just briefly, because this is going to be a, a pretty quick show, obviously, when you're by yourself, this is kind of how it goes. But uh, Ezekiel Elliott, for all those who do not know, has been suspended six games by the National Football League um, for separate incidents uh, with his former girlfriend that occurred in the summer of uh, 2016. Um, I mean, this is this is very problematic for me. I, I think, and it should be problematic for for anybody. I mean, not just from a fantasy perspective. I mean, arguably the best running back in the NFL last year and definitely a breakout superstar is getting suspended but when you look at this situation holistically you look at it and you say okay was he charged with anything no was he convicted of any illegal conduct no so i understand that the the nfl has the right to suspend its players based on um based on character based on, you know, anything it deems to be negative in the eyes of its operations, its business, and um, the traits that it looks for when upholding itself as a, a national sports league. And that's fine. But, I mean, this is obviously being appealed. But you got guys like Jeff Hardy. Um, you got guys like Pac-Man Jones and these guys are chronic offenders guys who are constantly getting in trouble with the law and they're not getting suspended six games I mean Pac-Man Jones can attack a head coach and not get suspended six games Um, but we see a precedent here we see a precedent of people of superstar players getting the book thrown at them by Roger Goodell much more harshly than we see some other players. Um, and Deflategate is a, a prime example of that. I mean, come on, like you are charging or suspending Tom Brady for four games because he won't hand over his cell phone. I understand that not handing over your cell phone is, is doesn't look the best optically, it looks like you're trying to trying to hide things. Um, you're trying to trying to keep evidence out of the the hands of the NFL investigation. So I understand to that extent where it's coming from, but this is not a legally binding investigation. Tom Brady doesn't have to hand over his cell phone in that situation. And I'm not a Tom Brady fan whatsoever. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's common knowledge that I'm a Bills fan, and so Tom Brady being suspended would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, last year or the year before, whenever this occurred. For Tom Brady, for my Bills to have Tom Brady not play, but Tom Brady didn't have to hand over his cell phone. 
In fact, he didn't want to. And yet, sure, he destroyed it. But would you, as an NFL player, suppose suppose anyone in this fantasy league, anybody in real life comes up to you, and I come up to you and I say, you know, hey, um, I'd like your cell phone. You don't have to give it to me. But I would like it very much if you did. What are you going to say to me? Are you going to tell me, oh, sure, of course. Have my cell phone. No, that's that's not the way the world works. You're not going to give me your cell phone. Unless I am compelling you by law or by some application of force or some more binding, um, more binding way of getting your phone, you're not going to give me your phone. And that's all the NFL had in that situation was that Tom Brady didn't cooperate with the investigation to the extent that that he should have. He he looked like he was hiding things. And I understand the ball. The ball, there was a bunch of numbers released about the uh, the absolute inflation numbers of the ball. And those turned out to be false. Um, and Bill Belichick distanced himself and, and what have you. But at the end of the day, the NFL had nothing more than Tom Brady's reluctance to not hand over his cell phone. And that's not a punishable offense. So now we shift to Ezekiel Elliott. Someone who comes and, I mean, I've done some reading on this, and apparently Ezekiel Elliott and his agent and his former girlfriend met with Roger Goodell um, late last year or early into the new year this year before, uh, during the football season. And um, apparently, supposedly, they told Roger Goodell everything. You know, what happened between him and his ex-girlfriend his agent cleared the air and, and I believe released uh, some sort of social media or, or statement saying that they had met with Roger Goodell and everything was okay. And now, months later, Roger Goodell comes out and says he doesn't actually know the full facts of the situation. Okay. You're going to say that a player and an agent were lying to you. I mean, that's kind of a slippery slope if you are Roger Goodell. I mean, Jerry Jones, by far, is one of your more influential owners in terms of someone who has the power to potentially orchestrate your dismissal in the National Football League as commissioner. And pissing him off by going against his star player, suspending his star player... And then accusing his star player of not telling you all the facts of the situation is probably not a recipe for success if you're Roger Goodell. And to me, this just continues to stipulate what a gong show the NFL actually is. I mean, Roger Goodell is arguably the worst commissioner in the four major sports. I mean, I don't like Gary Bettman, but I would put Gary Bettman ahead of Roger Goodell. I mean, I think, you know, Adam Silver is fine as a commissioner taking over from David Stern. And I don't really have an issue with Rob Manfred. I I approve that he wants to pick up the place, uh, pace of play, sorry, um, of Major League Baseball. But but this this is kind of, this kind of, Roger Goodell bothers me a lot. And I think, um, I think a big part of this is, is just he, he wants to put his foot down on issues. Um, but the thing is, if you're 
the National Football League, you can't just suspend somebody one over one-third of a season because you believe the possibility of domestic violence. Um, the possibility of domestic violence is there and it looks bad for you. I mean, you know what else looks bad on you? Concussions and suicides and all the studies coming out on CTC damage and brain damage. That looks bad on you too. And while you're putting your foot down on lawsuits and paying players who, and players' families who have suffered brain damage from playing football, you're busy suspending players without physical evidence and making your product even worse. I mean, okay. Sure. I mean, that's a great way to run a football league, but in the long term, what precedent does this set? I mean, can you just suspend people now? You know, if I if I hear a player, you know, got into an altercation at a nightclub, which I mean happens to even everyday people because testosterone and drinks and alcohol flow. Now you're going to get suspended. I mean, I get domestic violence is a very sensitive issue in, in all sports. I mean, we saw it with Jose Reyes or all Chapman. Um, but those cases were, were more solid. Like there was police reports. There were um, hard evidence that Araldus Chapman fired a gun through the wall of his garage. I mean, we don't have that here. We don't have that kind of situation going on here. Because um, if we did, I'd understand. I mean, I'd understand if there was some issues. Um, but I think, I think for me anyway, this issue starts with way back when with Ray Rice and how Roger Goodell kind of botched that punitive, uh, punitive assessment. I mean, there's a hard video in that case of Ray Rice physically assaulting his fiance at the time. Um, but we know that we know that Roger Goodell didn't handle that properly. I mean, we know that the discipline was not necessarily enough. We know that it sent out potentially the wrong message, excuse me, um, uh, sent the wrong message to the fans of the National Football League about domestic violence. Um, and so when you look at the, the investigation here, I mean, supposedly this is a 13-month investigation. Thousands of texts and phone calls are followed by a 160-page report. Um, so, here, okay, here we are with that. Um, now, the investigation is is carried out by people that Roger Goodell chooses, people that are close to Roger Goodell. And then he hands out the suspension. Well, I mean, part of my issue with this too, is you're going to, you're going to, I'm going to hire an investigation team and I'm going to constantly be fed progress reports, reports on how things are going, what's going on. And then I'm going to hand out a punishment. Well, if you're the National Football League, wouldn't you want an independent investigation hired, a firm hired by somebody other than Roger Goodell? 
I mean, maybe this is cherry picking here. Maybe this is picking apples and oranges. But I think NFL owners should decide who they want to investigate their players. Because, I mean, every NFL owner is fine with this suspension except for Jerry Jones. Just like any every NFL owner will be fine with the Tom Brady deflate gate suspension, except Robert Kraft. I mean, if it's not happening to you, you don't really care. You're all for anti-domestic violence and equality and women's rights until it affects your team, your team's playoff chances. So maybe the owners aren't good at choice either. You know, maybe, maybe that's not the right way either. I don't know what the right solution is, but I know that if I'm a player, I do not want the man punishing me, choosing who's going to investigate into my life to draw conclusions on whether I should be punished or not. So there's that. Um, I mean, now's as good a time to any to talk about how if you're, this is not new. Like this is, there have been complaints from people inside and outside the NFL that Roger Goodell is directly involved in investigations and discipline. And it hurts the credibility of the perceived punishment. I mean, you could bring in whoever you want. Hot qualified investigators. I mean, they've hired Lisa Fariel, Anna Isaacson. I mean, that's great. That's fantastic. But it doesn't matter who you hire to investigate Ezekiel Elliott, Ray Rice, Tom Brady. If Roger Goodell is interfering in, interfering in the process. So, I mean, that that's step one, right? I think Roger Goodell needs to take his hands off the guillotine. And get involved in investigations the way you continue to be involved in investigations. Or stay out of the investigations and find an independent process to do that. Now, I know Ezekiel is appealing, and that will be before, I believe, an independent arbitrator, not Roger Goodell. But he's still going to be suspended three or four games. And fine, maybe that's what he should be suspended. But it could be argued that Ezekiel is only going to be suspended three or four games. Because... Roger Goodell gave him six. And he needs to appeal, but you're not going to get the suspension wiped out. That just won't happen. You know, God himself would not rule on no suspension in this situation. I would be very shocked if Ezekiel Elliott received zero games. So, okay. Um... Issues. I mean, this is, these are just some issues that I have with the suspension. Now, as a football fan, lastly, I'm very disappointed that one of the best players in the National Football League is going to be suspended for this. I mean, as terrible as it sounds, you, you shouldn't say that you shouldn't care about domestic violence, but it affects the on field product. And yeah, Ezekiel Elliott should be held responsible for his actions. But what exactly did he do wrong here? Like, this is a disputable thing. And what he did is allegedly strike a woman. But 
where is the fairness in these suspensions, right? I mean, what differs Josh Gordon's six-game suspension for marijuana usage from Ezekiel Elliott's six-game suspension for domestic violence, from Adrian Peterson's suspension for assaulting a child, allegedly, I'll say, um, to Tom Brady, who deflates footballs. I mean, there's to me, it's just difficult. It's just difficult to, to understand where the NFL comes from on its punishment. I mean, it's not the only league that we question its its rationale on punishment. I mean, the NFL or the NHL for sure, in terms of headshots and the player safety department, got a lot of major looks and some weird eyed glances um, prior to the Brendan Shanahan era of punishment. Um. So okay. But I want to look at – I just want to mention another example before we kind of move on from this topic. And, and I mean, this kind of went under the radar for a lot of people. But Josh Brown, the New York Giants kicker, um, was admitted to physical – admitted to physically abusing his wife in in some, uh, some published works. Um, and he was suspended for one game. How is this any different? How, like, this man fully admits to physically abusing his wife and gets one game. Ezekiel Elliott, as far as I know, admits to nothing. And is investigated because he's Ezekiel Elliott. He's not Josh, Josh Brown. He's not a kicker. He's not somebody you've never heard of. And he receives six games. I mean, there is just... It just bothers me. Because I think that Ezekiel Elliott is such a high-profile superstar in the National Football League that he needs to be made an example of. Of course he does. But the exact same incident, the exact same issue, gets a kicker one game. Okay, well, you know what? I can't sit here with any legitimacy and say, you know what? The NFL is consistently punishing its athletes for the issue of of domestic violence. It's not. It's, you know, this is, this is just totally out of left field, in my opinion. It's too long of a punishment. And I think if Roger Goodell continues to do this, he could find himself on the unemployment line sooner rather than later. Because as much as NFL owners say they're backing him, say that they want to stand up against domestic violence, and say that they are all for this, when it starts to impact you, Jerry Jones, Robert Kraft, etc., etc., you're not so much on the domestic violence side anymore. And if Roger Goodell continues to piss off as many people as he pisses off by handing out suspensions like this, he can find himself unemployed pretty quickly. And honestly, it's probably for the better because this kind of, you know, punishment willy-nilly 
is to me illegitimate. And I could go on and on, but nobody wants to listen to me talk about this forever. But let's just agree that this punishment does not fit the crime. There is very little, if any, evidence to suggest that this case of domestic violence is any different than Ray Rice and certainly not any different than Josh Brown. And so the punishment clearly does not fit the crime. They're clearly looking to send a message. And all it does is send a message of tampering and illegitimacy, sorry, excuse me, to fans of the NFL. And that's a problem. And that's pretty much where we're at with this, with this topic, in my opinion. So let's move on because I keep getting worked up about this, but, but first, um, cause you know, hypothetically we do need to pay for programming here. Are you in the market for authentic sports memorabilia? Are you looking to add something to your man cave to impress all your bros? Hit up the authentic memorabilia company, proud supporter of the fuck cam movement and supporting your sports memorabilia needs since 2014. Authentic Memorabilia Company, your place for sports memorabilia. So, we're going to take a quick uh, quick intermission here, just a minute, before we get into some baseball topics and uh, wrap up the show. So, thank you everyone for listening, and uh, we'll be back in 30 seconds. And uh, here we're back. I, I'm not sure if that was 30 seconds or not. Probably longer than that. But uh, who cares? Um, so let's move on to some baseball. And I'm going to play a clip. I don't know if these actually come through the uh, the podcast or not. But I'm going to play a clip of some breaking news 
um, earlier this week about Bryce Harper. So let's let's give this a listen. That is a great save by Ryder Jones, and he just got Harper, and Harper is down, clutching at his left knee. Yeah, that's not a good sign for the Nationals because this is a team that's been winning, and that's their three-hole play. It looked like when he hit the bag, he might have might have hurt his knee. It's almost like his knee blew out when he hit the bag. Dale Gilbert is the head trainer for the Nationals, and I just hate to see this. And there's is Dusty he, Baker. Yeah, Dusty can't believe it. He knows that this is a big player for him, and. Sometimes the back of the knee could be a hamstring and the low back could be a calf, but it looked like he was grabbing the front of his knee. Just stretch it out. That also seemed to cause Okay, so that's not good. That's really not good if you're the Washington Nationals and uh, you're arguably best player. Grimace is in pain after touching the first base bag, and that's certainly not good if you're Flex Fox trying to make the playoffs. In fantasy. Um, but let's look at the situation a little bit more. So, for anyone who doesn't know, the Giants and Nationals game was delayed over three hours because of rain. Um, and then they play. And Bryce Hyper steps directly on the first base bag before crumpling to the ground, grimacing in pain. Does Major League Baseball have a clue? Do they not owe their players the responsibility to keep them safe? Do they not owe responsibility to their owners to keep their possessions? Because they do own them. They, the Washington Nationals owner owns Bryce Harper. Excuse me, until his contract expires. Don't they have an interest in protecting their investment? And if so, if any of these are true, which... As far as I'm concerned, they're all true. But if you believe any of these are true, why on earth are you playing a game three hours after a rain delay? When it's still raining? There's still precipitation coming down? When the potential for this kind of injury, a player just stepping on a bag, which, by the way, they paint these to keep them white and shiny and smooth. They sand them down and paint them pretty often which makes them more slippery and smooth and more of a hazard to get hurt. Exhibit A, Bryce Harper. And you decide to play this game. Well, this injury clearly calls into question at what point do we cancel a game? I mean, for me, if your rain delay is over two hours, the game should be canceled. Give the fans a chance to come the next to another game. And for God's sake, do not, under any circumstances, play the game. I mean... More importantly, like, two hours... This is before this game starts. Once the game starts, it should be even less. Because if I'm a manager... I no longer can use my starting pitcher after two hours. More likely than not. But I have to use my position players. I can't just sub out all my position players because, you know, Yasiel Puig has got a stiff hammy and, uh, you know, he's cool now, so he can't warm up again and play. No, you, you go up there and you play. 
if you're a position player for the most part. Pitchers a little bit different, get a little bit more uh a little bit more slack. And a little bit more precaution, obviously. That's the commodity that they are. So to me, two hours is more than enough time for a player to injure a hamstring or, or pull a muscle or tear a muscle because they've been sitting too long and their body's cold now. I know they try to keep going with exercises and stay warm, but that's a difficult task to ask any player, especially a Major League Baseball player, for two hours to stay in peak physical form. That's a problem. That's a big problem. And now you have one of the marquee talents in baseball, in my opinion, on the level slightly below a Mike Trout. Injured. Like, yeah, this is fine. The Washington Nationals are a million games up on the New York Mets, and there's no chance that they miss the playoffs. That's fine. But if you're the Nationals and Bryce Harper needs some more time to recover in your first-round playoff series against, say, the Arizona Diamondbacks or Colorado Rockies, and you lose that series, and you're the general manager and you lose your job, or you're the owner who really thought you were all in this year, uh, and and think that you have a chance to win the World Series. I mean, for God's sake, Mike Illich went on record saying that he would trade all of his Stanley Cups for one World Series. Then, how can you not look at Major League Baseball and go, this moment, this, right here, potentially sunk our season? This moment potentially was the moment, like we lost Trey Turner, and as a Trey Turner owner in fantasy, I mean, he's a key cog of my team. But, I mean, the Nationals are continuing to soldier on, and they're doing okay. But you just lost your entire outfield now. Jason Wirth's on the DL. Michael Taylor. Adam Eaton was on the D- is on the DL. And now Bryce Harper. So, this could be the straw. And I, it's definitely not a straw. I mean, this is... Metaphorically, this is like a cinder block that breaks the camel's back if you're the Washington Nationals. And that doesn't even get into a fan perspective. Like, if you're a fan, you're hoping for a Dodgers-Nats NLCS. And, I mean, potentially a a Yankees... Well, I don't know if this is possible, but Yankees-Red Sox or Stroh's-Yankees... ALCS. I mean, what if Carlos... Well, Carlos Correa is hurt, but what if Carlos Correa slipped on, what, on a bag? What if Mike Trout slipped on on first base and is done for the year, and you're the Los Angeles Angels trying to make the playoffs? I mean, this is insane. This is asinine that Major League Baseball is okay with this. They're okay with playing a game after three hours in shitty conditions, because you know what? What could happen? Well, this is what could happen. And you should have seen this coming if you're Major League Baseball. If you're, I don't know who decides whether they play the game or not, but you should see this coming. I mean, if you want fans to say this and listen to that at the ballpark and be happy, then... You can't have Bryce Harper injured on a stupid play like that. And that's that's pretty much all I'm going to say about that. As I'm on an absolute tirade today against major sports leagues, as you can tell. Whew. We're going to finish up. 
with some hopefully relevant news for all of us. I mean, this is more just like a quick discussion for a few minutes. The Toronto Blue Jays don't look now prior to uh, prior to their weekend series in Chicago, which is an absolute gong show as they're down 4-3 currently in the bottom of the eighth inning in Chicago. Um, and having lost Friday, we're hot coming into the weekend, going 7-3 on their homestand, pulling themselves back to within three and a half games of the wild card. Now, I believe it's four and a half. I'm just going to double check that for everyone. Um, yeah, so <laughs> three games out. Sorry, my apologies. Still still three games out. Um, a lot of teams to jump over. Tampa Bay, Baltimore, Texas, Seattle, Kansas City, Los Angeles, Minnesota, all in that mix. Um, Jay's at the bottom of that list of uh, eight teams, obviously. Um, I mean, I don't buy this. I mean, I don't believe the Toronto Blue Jays are making the playoffs. Clearly, I am the rebuild catalyst, along with uh, Mr. Garth Newton, who, Mr. Newton, if you're listening to this podcast, I mean, come on, I'm by myself here today. Please get on the show. Because if anyone's listening to this, you probably want to kill me or yourself. So please get on the show. Um, but the Jays are not going to make the playoffs. Like, come on, people. Like, let's get this straight. Like, their run differential is absolutely horrible. Um, they are 25 and 34 on the road, which, I mean, okay, a lot of teams have bad road records. I mean, the Red Sox, for crying out loud, are 500 on the road. It's hard to win ball games at, at opposing parks. But one thing you'll see is that the record of every team in the playoffs currently is near the 500 mark on the road. So Houston 40 and 21, Boston 31 30, Cleveland 36 26. The Yankees are 30 and 34, so that's not great. Minnesota hilariously is 32 and 24, and the Angels are 29 and 34. Well, the Jays are a full four games worse than that. Um, and if you look at it, I mean, really, the AL East has not been kind to them this year, like 22 and 29 compared to the Yankees, compared to the Red Sox having winning records. I mean, that's not good. Hell, even the Orioles have a winning damn record against the AL East. And how are they doing it? I mean, I, I have no clue. Their pitching staff consists of like me and Ryan Neeson as their one, two. But, uh, I mean, the, the Jays just aren't a good baseball team. Like, let's face the facts. Like, Josh Donaldson, fine, we kept him. And he's he's going off. I mean, he's hot. He's hotter than the pizza I currently have in the oven waiting to eat. He's that hot. 450 degrees, for anyone wondering. So, okay. But what else do you have to trade? Because, I mean, everyone, everyone, everyone is going to be like, don't trade Roberto Osuna, don't trade Marcus Stroman, don't trade Aaron Sanchez. Well, there's only one name on that list that I would not trade, and that's Aaron Sanchez. Although Marcus Stroman is quickly, quickly putting himself in that category where, like, I probably wouldn't trade him for much of anything. But Roberto Osuna, perfect time to trade him at the deadline, and we don't do it. So, you have a closer who, at the time, was pitching pretty damn well. The wheels have kind of fallen off here in the second half, but he's been pitching pretty damn well prior to the all-star break, prior to the trade deadline, and he's 22 years old. Well, name me a closer that from, you know, their first entrance into the league 
was lights out and only closed and was an all-star, let alone a Hall of Famer. I mean, I think of Mariano Rivera, but who else he got? Probably nobody. Trevor Hoffman sure as hell didn't start as a closer. Number two in saves. So my point here is that Roberto Osuna is not going to be lights out and evidently has not been lights out for the rest of this season, let alone the rest of his prime, the rest of his career. And he has maintained an interest in wanting to close. It's not like we can switch him to a starter next season and go, hey, Roberto, you're going to start. He says, no, guys, like this is common knowledge. He says, no, I really like closing. The man had has lots of control, team control. The Nationals, I know, were calling and picking up the phone because I've read articles and listened to the ESPN that has said this is the case. You can't tell me the Nationals weren't interested, among other teams. And you could get a haul for this guy as a 22-year-old flamethrowing closer with control. I mean, yeah, sure, that's why we want him too, but tell me, would you rather get two or three quality prospects, and I'm talking like top 30 guys, and rebuild, or would you rather hang on to the asset? And I much would rather have the prospects, because you coincide that move with training Josh Donaldson, who would also net you, at least, in my opinion, at least you want two top 20, 30 prospects Think the return for Jose Quintana, but better. You know, an Eloy Jimenez plus, say, like, well, I'll just throw it like an Eloy Jimenez and uh, Lewis Brinson, for example, or, a, or wh- whoever. You're looking to land two good elite level prospects. I understand the prospects aren't aren't all hitter, all here nor there. Um, but that would be, and just those two players, four elite potential prospects. And now you're starting to build the kind of depth that the Chicago White Sox are building. You know, that the Houston Astros built way back when. That the Chicago Cubs, I mean, sure, they traded for guys, but also kind of built some some homegrown depth. You need that. You do. I mean, I, you know, other people, Jathish, Flex, whoever, can say what they want. But you need young talent. To be competitive. That is inarguable. Name me a team postseason bound right now that does not have elite young talent. I mean, the Red Sox whole lineup is elite young talent they drafted. The Yankees traded for it, which is fine. Aaron, Aaron Judge was their own player, but you know, um, you know, Glaber Torres, as hurt as he is, could be a cornerstone piece. You know, Bradley Zimmer was traded for. Um, you know, I could go down the list here. Luis Severino was drafted fine, but you need young talent. Houston Astros, same deal. Cleveland Indians, Jose Ramirez, among others. Um, The Cubs, we don't need to really go there. I mean, Chris Bryant, you know, Ian Happ. Um, You know, the Dodgers don't even get me started. The Diamondbacks, Jake Lamb. I mean, I could name a, a young player on every single team. And sure, you can argue among their productivity and how well they're going to how much they're going to produce for that team but the Jays need young talent you cannot be the oldest team in Major League Baseball and expect to win and I don't buy this crap that if you get into the postseason anything could happen well you know what 
anything can happen. But when you're old as hell, a lot less is likely to happen. That's just fact. You know, when Russell, I mean, the Jays aren't even going to make the playoffs, but Russell Martin, Troy Tulowitzki, I mean, the bill is coming due for those postseason runs. And it's time to pay up if you're the Jays administration. You got to eat those contracts. You got to accept that, hey, you know what? We, you know, Alex Anthopoulos took a run at things. I'm Mark Shapiro. I'm Ross Atkins. I come on board last year. I take a run at things. Well, I'm Mark Shapiro. I take a run at things, I guess. Um, And it doesn't pan out. It did not net you a World Series appearance. It did not net you a World Series. And that's okay. Because it brought baseball back to the forefront of the Toronto sports landscape. And that's big. And you want to maintain that if you're Mark Shapiro. So you want to keep butts in seats. Because you want to renovate Rogers Center. And I get that. I get all of that. I do. But the real fans, and I think more of a contingent than ownership thinks, than people in this fantasy league think, would stick around through a rebuild. They would. Jose Batista is not coming back next year. Let's face that fact right off the bat. The man is going to be lucky to get a minor league invite to spring training next year, let alone come back to the Blue Jays, who are not going to pick up his $18 million option. Marco Estrada has pinpoint control. Needs to have it. Because if he doesn't, he's getting rocked like he's been getting rocked lately. Save for this good stretch he's been on recently. Jay Happ, yeah, he's fine. He's a, he's a good three. He's fine. But you could trade him and get value for him. Josh Donaldson, same deal. I mean, this guy could net you, I mean, less now, but he could have netted you a lot more. Troy Tulowitzki, you probably can't pay someone to take his contract. Ditto Russell Martin. Justin Smoke has some value in the offseason if you can find somebody. And who's going to fill up to play these players? Well, you know what? The problem is, the honest answer, no one. Prospects. Fringy MLB players that you signed in the free agent pool this year. I'll, uh, Adam Lind. And you're going to suck. You're going to suck pretty bad for for two or three hundred lost seasons. But you got to be okay with that as a fan base. Because at the end of the day, yeah, sure, it's no guarantee as, as Flexer Tatish is happy to point out. But you know what? I don't care. I honestly don't care. I mean, the Houston Astros are competitive. And I don't care. If I win the World Series this year. Because guess what? Things are looking real fucking good. For the next five years. With Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman, George Springer. In the heart of that lineup. Things are looking real good. If you're Chris Bryant. I mean Anthony Rizzo was a trade. But you know. Things are looking real good. For them. Things are looking real good for the Red Sox. With their Mookie Betts. Jackie Bradley Jr. Andrew Benintendi. Xander Bogart's core. And guess who it's not looking good for? It's a Troy Tulowitzki, Russell Martin, Josh Donaldson, Jose Batista, Kendry's Morales core. It doesn't look good for the Baltimore Orioles, Chris Davis, Mark Trumbo, Adam Jones core with their absolutely terrible starting rotation. So for all those clamoring that we're going to go for it one more time, well, you got your wish. But 
we're going for it. And we gave up any hope that we could get in terms of value for players to get prospects. Because now, get ready for a nuclear winter. Get ready for, well, the Jays aren't going to be good next year. Because why would you believe that they're going to be good next year? Yeah, they've, they've been unlucky, but everyone's a year older. <laughs> and you only get more fragile with age. And, the, and Father Time, I mean, is undefeated. So the saying goes. So when the Jays potentially fail next year and you can't get much for Josh Donaldson because he's a rental and teams don't want to pay for that. Or Jay Happ's a rental. And people are calling you asking for Sanchez, Stroman, and Osuna and you don't want to budge. What are you going to do? What are you going to get? What prospects are you going to get? This was your chance to get prospects and the Jays management seared to the left instead. So, we'll see. We'll see what happens, but uh, it, to me, it doesn't look good. And they're not going to, I just do not think they're going to make the playoffs. Anyways, that's uh, that's enough of a rant for today. I've ranted about the National Football League. I've ranted about Major League Baseball. I've ranted about Blue Jays management. I got a lot off my chest. So, if you're still listening, thank you so much for listening to this wonderful podcast. Um, we will hopefully be back in the next couple of weeks with Ian Stadelman and some guests. So please stay tuned and uh, thank you everyone for listening and uh, enjoy your fantasy and uh, have a good night. Still phenomenal, baby. We some southern boys with the promise strength. Ain't nobody man enough to feel the pain. And you can be next.